Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope that this sermon is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I invite you to take your Bible this morning and go to Mark chapter number two. And as you find your place there, I just want to ask you, have you ever had a, a time in your life when you go to uh, maybe make a phone call to somebody and, and uh, it's, it's like you dial them up and as soon as you put the phone up to your ear and they answer, as soon as they answer, they say, hey, you go, hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I totally forgot why I called you. How many of you, be honest, how many of you had that happen before? Okay, good, good. I'm glad we're in a house, uh, church house filled with people. Be honest. That's good for a Sunday, you know? And uh, man, I can think of times uh, maybe when I've called somebody and I'm like, I have no idea what I was going to say. I'll call you back when I think about it. And you just never think about it. You know, you always forget why you, why you, you called them. Or maybe uh, you've been in one room of your house and you've gone into another room of your house and when you get to the kitchen... You completely forget, why did you go in here? I can think about, even here at the church, there'll be times I'll be sitting in, the, in my office up here, and I'll, I'll, oh man, I'm gonna go get a cup of coffee. And I'll get up, and I'll walk out, and I'll get sidetracked. I'll talk with Robert, or Micah, or, or Brian, or, or Miss Beth, just talk with one of them, and, and then I'll, I'll go up to the kitchen, and I'll you know, be going through the kitchen, and grab a bottle of water, and come back down, sit down at my desk, and I'm like, man, that water was not what I was gonna, what was I, why did I go to the kitchen? Man, totally, uh, you've probably been there where you walk into a room and you think, what in the world did I come in here for? I've told you before that I get it honestly. And the reason I get it honestly is because of my mother. Now, my, my sister is here today, and I'm thankful to have uh, Don and Jim slip your hand up. My brother-in-law, Jim, and they, uh, uh, Jim pastors Liberty Baptist Church in Spokane, and they're here uh, on a little vacation, vacationing in Moses Lake. Man, the vacation destination of the world. Actually, they're going to Oregon. But anyway, uh, my sister can attest to this. There'd be plenty of times growing up, you'd be sitting in a room. I'd be just sitting in the living room, maybe, uh, you know, watching TV or, or doing homework or something. I wasn't doing homework, but anyway, doing something, you know. And, and uh, my mom, she'd come in, and, and she'd just kind of come in. And she had, she'd get in the room, and then she had a blank stare. And I'd be sitting there, and I'm like, Mommy, all right? Yeah, yeah, I just, uh, I have no reason why I came in here. I got no clue. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many of you, how many of you have done that? All right, okay, good, good. You know what? When you're in that moment, you walk in somewhere, you make a phone call, and you just cannot remember why you went in there, or you cannot remember what the phone call was for. I'm so thankful to know that when you open up the Word of God and you begin to study out the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus did not get to the earth and go, why did I come here? I just, man... That, that didn't happen. 
And when you and I come to Mark chapter number two, we're coming into an incredible passage in the Lord's life. And what you find taking place in the Lord's life is a number of miracles, and we'll see uh, some that took place recently. But then as we come into Mark 2, and where we're going to be specifically today, we find Jesus helping us and his listeners on that day understand exactly why Jesus came. You see, the truth is this, that Jesus never wondered why he came, but often people do. People wonder, why did Jesus come to the earth? I mean, what in the world did he have in store in in going from heaven and putting on the flesh of man and coming to this sin-sick world? Why did Jesus come? This morning, we're going to answer one question, why did Jesus come? We're going to look at why Jesus came today out of Mark chapter number two. And so I invite you, if you would, to take your Bible and stand with me. Mark chapter two today. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 13. You can use a Bible or you can look on the screen. The verses will be there as well. Mark chapter chapter 2, excuse me, and verse 13, the word of God says this, and he, speaking about Jesus, went forth again by the seaside and all the multitude resorted unto him and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he, Levi, or whose name we know as Matthew, he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his, Matthew or Levi's house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, Uh, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." As we come to our time in the word of God this morning, we're going to look into this passage. And in this passage, I believe Jesus helps us and his listeners, he helps us understand exactly why he came. So this morning, we're going to start with a word of prayer. We've already prayed at the beginning of the service. We've prayed for the offering, but now I'd like to go to the Lord, ask him to help our time in the word. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just take a moment and would you, in the quietness of your own heart, would you give God permission to speak to you today? God, I give you permission to speak to my heart this morning. And then would you make the commitment, God, if you speak to me, I'm going to listen and I want to respond today. Dear Lord, we thank you again for the word of God. We thank you for its truths. And Lord, I pray that as we come to our time in the word of God, that you would help us. I pray, Father, that you would speak to each heart that's here. I pray, Lord, that you'd help every individual to hear from your spirit and that through your word, you would strengthen each of us this morning. God, if there's someone here today that they do not know for certain that heaven is where they would spend eternity, God, I pray that today they would come to know you as their savior. Lord, bless our time in your word. Speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. 
As you and I come to Mark chapter number two, we find ourselves in the early time of the ministry of Jesus. He's really just started uh, in ministry. He's really just started healing people and and performing some miracles and speaking. And uh, most recently, our passage finds us in the area of Capernaum. Capernaum would be on the northwest part of the Sea of Galilee. You can kind of see it uh, lit up there for us right right there at the top. Of course, Jerusalem and and, uh, the main part of Israel be down in the south, and then you travel up north through the uh, Samaria region, that central region, up into the area uh, called Galilee, and Jesus would be ministering up there. If you went and you read Mark chapter 2, verse 1, down through verse number 12, the story you would read about took place in the village of Capernaum. In the village of Capernaum, Jesus would come, or the city of Capernaum, Jesus would come, he would travel into this city. This is actually where Jesus would base much of his ministry out of the area of Capernaum. And uh, man, it's an amazing place. Uh, This is a picture we took last year when we went there to Israel. Here's my commercial. 2020, we're doing a trip to Israel. Need to get signed up and go with us. Now we return to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) There in Capernaum, what Jesus did in in Mark chapter number two is he was preaching in a house, and as he was preaching in the house, uh, the ceiling began to crumble, and uh, parts of the ceiling began to fall, and you would look up, and what took place is four men had taken a man who was sick of the palsy or who had a, a disease within his, uh, within his body that had not been healed, and they couldn't get into Jesus to see him personally, the Bible says, because of the press or the group, not the CNN and the Fox News and ABC, but the press, the group of people that were there, the crowd that was there, they couldn't get in. And so they went to the roof, they chipped away the roof, and then they lowered their friend in on a bed down to Jesus. And so can you imagine sitting in church and the door just start, you know, the ceiling just starts to crumble and come open and someone gets lowered down on a bed. You know, or something. I don't know what happened, but man, he gets lowered down on the bed, and uh, the Bible records for us that Jesus heals him. That's just taken place when you come to Mark chapter 2 and verse number 13. The Bible would help us understand that Jesus, he's leaving the house, and in our text, as he's recently healed this man, he's leaving this house, and as he leaves the house, a, a story begins to unravel before us. We see the calling of Matthew. We see other things that take place. But it's in these five verses, Mark 2, 13 through 17, that I find Jesus helping these that were there and helping us as well understand why he came. And so I want you to take your Bible with me this morning and notice with me some reasons why Jesus came. I notice, first of all today, that a reason that Jesus came is to bring comfort into your life and my life to bring comfort into your life and my life. Notice, if you will, verse 13. The Bible says that he passed by the seaside. Look at it, Mark chapter 2, verse 13. He went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. When you go and you read this, that Jesus passed by the seaside, this would be the area right next to Capernaum. Literally, you come out of Capernaum, uh, the gates of Capernaum, and you find yourself on the Sea of Galilee. Well, here's Jesus. He leaves the house that he was in, and as he begins to walk and go this way, the Bible says that many people, here's what it says, that a multitude, the wording is resorted unto him. A multitude resorted unto him. 
Now, really, when you look in scripture, a multitude following Jesus is kind of a common picture. You can read time and time again verses like Matthew 15, 30, a great multitude came unto him. Uh, you can go to John chapter eight and verse number two that many people sat down. It says, and all the people came unto hear him and he sat down and taught them. Well, on this day, we read that a multitude, they resort unto him. Well, why do, they, why do they resort unto him or go to follow him? Well, the Bible says because they wanted to hear him, because he taught them. Here's what it helps us understand, that the words of Jesus, they were different words. The words of Christ, they were unlike any words that anybody had heard before. I mean, when they came to Jesus, they came to him because his teaching was different than what they normally heard from the religious leaders. They came to Jesus because what he said resonated within their heart, not just gave them something to think about. You see, when he spoke, he spoke words that challenged them and words that comforted them. He spoke words that really, they were unlike any words or lessons that Jesus had ever heard before. The Bible helps us understand that when Jesus spoke, he brought rest to the soul. This is what they thought about what Jesus spoke. Mark chapter 1, verse 22 records this for us. They were astonished at his doctrine, at his teaching. Why? Because he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. We'll see the scribes in just a moment. These would be the scribes, the Pharisees and the, Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who made up the Sanhedrin. They would be a group of religious leaders. Here's what you read in Mark 1, 22. The people looked at Jesus. They were astonished or amazed or astounded at the teaching of Jesus because he taught them like he knew what he was teaching. Not like the religious leaders. That's what it's saying. Not like the scribes. See, the scribes, they would get up and they would say, now we're going to go into the Torah and we're going to go and into the book of Deuteronomy. And they, you know, they didn't have books, chapters, and verses, but they, in the letter of Deuteronomy, and in here you'll see that, uh, well, what we see here is that, uh, and what we get here is that, uh, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know exactly what they taught or how they taught it, but we do know they didn't teach it like they knew it. Why? Because this verse, they taught, Jesus taught with authority, not as the religious leaders. They, they taught like they were guessing. We have some folks that are educators in the auditorium. Here's the difference between an educator and a substitute teacher. Here's the difference. The educator usually educates. The substitute teacher usually presses play. I know because I was a substitute teacher. And I remember walking into plenty of classes. And the plan for the day was watch the movie. I love that. I can take do, do some work on my computer. You know what? When the, uh, the people were looking at Jesus, they were looking at the difference between an educator and the substitute teachers. You see, the religious leader, they were the substitute teacher. They just kind of came in and quoted what had been given to them and quoted what they knew to say. But Jesus got up and he said, thus saith the Lord, because I am the Lord. Man, he taught. But I want us to understand something, what this helps us know. His words are different words. And here's the great thing about his words. His words provide comfort. Man, the word of God provides rest for the soul. 
The word of God provides direction for life. And Jesus, he taught them and provided them comfort and rest for their weary hearts. That's why multitudes followed him, because as Jesus taught, he taught as one having authority. I think about the lesson Jesus gave in Matthew chapter number 11 and verse 28 and 29, when Jesus said this, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? Because I am meek and lowly in heart and ye, and here's the great phrase, ye shall find rest for your souls. Man, Jesus said there is inner peace and there is an inner calm and there is a true comfort found in my teaching. You know why Jesus came? He came to provide you and to provide me comfort and rest within our souls. Man, that's found through his word. You know, it's interesting that many people, I've taught this for years, that Man, many pe- everybody needs rest. Everybody, listen, everybody needs a vacation every now and then. You just need it. <clears throat> you know, people will pay a lot of money for vacations. I did a little bit of research, and I found the Villa Manzu in Costa Rica. I'm going to read you the description. This estate spread across five acres of isolated peninsula in, in the Pacific Ocean. There are only eight suites on the entire property, ensuring serenity. It's available to rent starting at $16,500 per night. You could go there and get some rest, a little expensive. But if that's a little too cheap for you, you could go to Suite 5000 at the Mandarin Oriental in New York City. Here's their plug. You won't find any information from this website. You won't find any information about the Suite 5000 on the Mandarin Oriental's website. It's only available to those, quote, in the know. Located on the hotel's 50th floor, a night in the suite is almost like staying in a sleek, expertly curated museum of New York culture. The walls are lined with an exhibition of New York City-inspired art, and the living room is stocked with records that follow the city's music scene back to the 1930s. The cost is only starting at $36,000 per night. If you don't like that one, you could go and rent the Royal Print House Suite at the President Wilson Hotel in Geneva. I won't tell you about this, but you have access to 12 rooms, 5,500 square feet, and the cost is $80,000 per night. But the most expensive vacation that people pay for is this. It's called the White Desert Greatest Trip to Antarctica. Honey? (laughs) My wife loves the cold. I'm kidding. For those who want an ultimate luxury vacation, but don't have much time to spend, White Desert offers a one-day trip to Antarctica. Starting off from Cape Town, guests board a Gulfstream private jet and set off for this icy continent. Travelers have about eight hours to explore, ending in a gourmet dinner. The entire trip lasts 24 hours, but costs you $195,000. Anybody need some $195,000 rest today? People are like, yeah, I'll take it. Micah's pan. (laughs) What I'm getting at is this. You know, people, listen, people pay a lot to try to find rest. 
People pay a lot to try to find comfort. People pay a lot to try to find something, some rest in their souls. Uh, You don't believe me? Listen, go to the medication world. People pay a lot to medicate the soul. People pay a lot uh, to uh, maybe get some drug or some alcohol or something within the soul. People pay a lot for that type of stuff. And here's the truth of the matter. Jesus came to provide you that rest, and it's free of charge. Man, it's all found in his word. Why were the people resorting to him? Well, because he came to give rest. And the fact of the matter is this, that he wants to be the one that you turn to with the issues of life. He wants to be the one to help you find comfort. Why did Jesus come? Well, he came to provide comfort. I want you to see, secondly, that Jesus came to bring a call into your life. Man, he came to bring a call or to bring purpose into your life. Here we have Jesus. He's teaching the multitude, and perhaps as he gets done, the Bible helps us see that he's walking away, and as he's walking away, he passes by a man by the name of Levi. The Bible tells us that he was sitting at the receipt of custom. This would be the mean that Levi, or we know him as Matthew in the scripture, that uh, Levi or Matthew, he was a tax collector. He was a, the word is a publican. He was a publican. Now, often publicans, they were greatly disliked. And here's why. Of course, Israel was under Roman rule at the time, and publicans were usually Jewish people working for the Roman government. They were Jewish people working for the Roman government, and because they were working for the Roman government, they themselves were probably seen as corrupt, and they often showed their corruption because they double-taxed their own people. I think about Zacchaeus, Luke 19. Maybe you know him as Zacchaeus, the wee little man. I don't know that he was this big, but he was probably this big. I don't know, maybe that big. He is short. He's a short fella. I like the word fellow. You look at Zacchaeus. The Bible helps us see that Zacchaeus, you know what he was? He was also a tax collector, a publican. And what it says about Zacchaeus is it helps him. When Zacchaeus turned to God, man, Zacchaeus, he, he, he understood. Like, I've been stealing from the people. I've been corrupting. I've been, I've been the cause of a lot of these people's hurt. That is Levi or that is Matthew. Well, Jesus passes by, and as he passes by, Levi, of course, Levi was probably there to uh, receive that receipt of customs or to receive taxes. Maybe he had come to a, a teaching time of Jesus. We don't know how he knew Christ. You can go and research it a little bit in Matthew or in Luke. But as Jesus passes by him, Jesus says two words to him. He says these two words, follow me. Well, these two words is him simply saying to Matthew, hey, Matthew, I want you to take your life and give it to me. I want you to follow me. I want you. He wasn't just saying, hey, come, come after me. He said, hey, I want you to be my disciples. So apparently Matthew already probably believed in Jesus, and we'll see that in a moment. He already believed in Jesus, but now Jesus is calling him to a better life. He's calling him to a different life. And I love Matthew's, excuse me, I love Levi or Matthew's response because it says to us in Matthew 2 and verse number 14, he arose and followed him. He arose and followed him. What you read in Luke chapter 5 of the account, in Luke 5, 28, it says this, he left all, rose up, and followed him. You know what Matthew understood? Matthew got it that Jesus, he was calling Matthew to a purposed life. He was saying, hey, Matthew, I've got something in store for you. I'm the creator of this life, and I've got purpose for your life. Isn't that different than what culture teaches right now? 
If, if you don't know that it is, I'll tell you this morning, just go watch the news for a little bit or just go, just go read some textbooks in the schools right now. And here's what you're hearing. Maybe in the schools or on the news or in public culture, you're going to hear this. You know, you're born, you live life, and you die. There's nothing more to it. What a hopeless existence. Man, so you're telling me that there's no point for me being here? Oh, no, no, you can have point for being here. Try to make the world a better place when you leave it. That's your purpose. Eight billion people and it's my purpose to make it better? Are you kidding me? I, I can't even help my family do that. Man, my family hates me, you know, and we, people have that mindset, right? I'm saying that because my sister's here and she mistreated me all growing up, you know? <laughs> I cry often with my emotional scars. I need counsel. I counsel myself in the mirror. It's all right, forgive. Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. Forgive her. No! Anyway, <laughs> you know what? Listen, people have this mindset. They look and they say, uh, well, uh, you know, my, uh, I'm just kind of here and I'm just kind of going through life. Here's what, God, here's what Jesus was saying to Matthew. Matthew, I want you to quit going through life. Quit just living day in and day out. No, Matthew, I've got a call for you. I've got a purpose for you. And it's going to be fulfilled when you leave all and follow me. Hey, Matthew, I want you to put me first. Hey, Matthew, I want you to give me the preeminent seat. Hey, Matthew, I want you to make life about me because then when you make life about me, Matthew, you will find the fulfilled life. Listen, believer, can I tell you and help you understand this today that the same call is going out today. That's Christ's purpose. He came number one, to comfort you, but he also came to call you, to call you out from this life to say, hey, I've got more for you. Why don't you choose to follow me? I've got more for you. Why don't you choose to follow me? And the fact is this, that Christ came to call me out of the mundane and into the miraculous. He came to call me out of just living day in and day out and just working my job and just going through life. Jesus says, I've got more for you then what you have for yourself, follow me. Matthew, he's at the receipt of custom, being the publican. He's just kind of performing life, just kind of going through it, saying, well, I believe I should be a publican, and I'm going to do these, uh, collect these taxes, and I'm going to do that. Maybe Matthew had his whole life planned out about just, well, once I get to this retirement, man, I'm moving down to Jerusalem, and I'm going to do this. He had his plans, and Jesus came and said, erase your plans because I have a purpose. Can I tell you this morning that just as Jesus had a purpose with Levi or Matthew's life, he has a purpose with your life. You are not just a blob that's here to take up some air and leave the world a better place. No, you are a human being, listen, that God loves and created with purpose. Man, that helps. You know why that helps? Because it gives me a reason to live. Now I'm not just waking up every day thinking, well, it's just another day of work. No, I'm waking up and saying, man, I wonder what God has in store for me today. Man, I wonder what God could do today. Man, I wonder what God has, has for me today. I wonder whose path God wants me to cross today. Man, the purpose that Jesus came, he came to bring comfort. He came to bring a call but can I tell you this morning that he came also to be a companion for your life. He came to be a companion in your life. You know what? I'll just say it this way. We're here on friend day. Jesus came to be your friend. And he demonstrates it for us in our passage. Look at verse number 15. Notice the wording. 
It says this, it came to pass that as Jesus said it, meet in his house. Okay, wait. So how did Jesus get from speaking to Matthew? Hey, Matthew, follow me. In the next verse, they're in his house. Well, uh, it's a very cool, very cool little story. You'll find that what Matthew did is Matthew, after Jesus said, follow him, apparently Matthew chose to follow him. And then Matthew said, hey, uh, hey, I want, you to, I want you to come to my house for lunch because uh, I got this guy, Jesus, I want you to meet. Hey, would you come? I got Jesus. And Matthew went around. He went around to all of his peers, the publicans, all the other tax collectors, all the people he knew. Hey, I want you to come meet Jesus. I, I'm gonna be a follower of him. I want you to come meet him. And then he found anybody on the street that's all that it says the sinners right there, the publicans and sinners. That'd be the worst of the worst. He looked at somebody and said, hey, you could use what this guy has. I want you to come talk. Hey, why don't you come to him? And then he also invited the scribes and the Pharisees. Matthew, Matthew listen, our, our message a few weeks ago about prejudice. Matthew wasn't prejudiced in who he invited to his house to invest Jesus in. And here's the simple thought that when you meet Jesus, you're going to want to introduce people to him. That's just kind of that's just kind of part of it. I mean, that's a theme all throughout the Word of God. You can go to uh, John chapter one and look at Andrew. The Bible tells us that Andrew met Jesus, and then he went and found his own brother and called him. Hey, I want you to meet Jesus. You can go uh, to the book of John and see the Samaritan woman. Man, she met Jesus, and then she went and she proclaimed in the whole village, all the people. Hey, there's somebody who knows my life and changed my life. I want you to come meet him. It's kind of just natural that once you become a follower of Jesus, you probably want other people to follow him as well. Well, apparently in our passage, people, Matthew's message got across. Why? Because verse 15, he's at a house, Matthew's house, and the house is filled with people. And here's what the Bible helps us see, that what Jesus did is he set at meat in his house. The phrase set at meat means to sit with as a friend. So here's Matthew. Here's Levi. He's following Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to have some friends over. Would you come eat? Sure, I'll come. Your friends, they're my friends too. Now, for you and I, this passage, you know, he said it meet. I mean, we, we kind of just read. We read the Bible so boring. We read it with no imagination. Can I help us understand that what we read here, that he said he set it meet in the house, it's not just like we read it, we're like, well, he just had a meal, move on. No, this was not just a small little thing where he just sat down and had a meal. Here's what he did. He sat down and he engaged in conversation with people who were despised. Publicans, tax collectors, they were hated by everybody. Sinners, they would be like the worst of the worst. And here's what Jesus does. Hey, I want you to come. I want you to eat with me. Hey, why don't you sit next to me? Now, this would be completely unheard of because Jesus, he would be seen as becoming a spiritual teacher or a religious leader, and it would be unheard of for him to sit next to the worst of the worst. Well, what is Jesus showing us in this passage? Well, he's showing us that he, became, he, he came so that he could become the closest friend that you and I have ever had. Man, he came to offer you companionship. And this verse helps us see that he came and he loves the worst of the worst. Well, pastor, I'm not that bad. There were religious people there too. And Jesus embraced them as friends. Man, the word of God makes it very clear. Listen, Jesus desires for you to be his friend. He wants that in life. He wants to be the closest friend that you've ever had. 
Now, I'm, I'm thankful to tell you this morning that some of my closest friends are sitting in this auditorium today. Man, some of my closest friends are here. And while I love my close friends, no one compares to me like, no one compares to that like Jesus. Man, he wants to be the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The Bible tells us, it says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, but then it says this, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Who's that talking about? It's talking about God, talking about Jesus Christ. He came to be a friend that's closer than a brother. Jesus said these words in John 15. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I commanded you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father I have made known unto you. Man, I love the old hymn. It says, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did nothing that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Man, I'd love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Why? Because he's a friend that's so strong and true. Man, I'm thankful to know that Jesus came to be my friend, to be my companion in this journey of life. What a blessing today. We know that Jesus came. Why did he come? He came to bring you comfort. He came to give you a call or purpose. He came to be your companion or your friend. But I want us to see this morning that when Jesus came, he came knowing that there would be critics. He came knowing that there would be critics. If you go and you look at verse number 16, it says this, when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat meat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? I won't be long on this, but very quickly, these religious people, you think of all people, the religious would be the ones that would embrace Christ, but they did not. They despised him. They tried to find fault with him. Listen, the religious should have been the ones, the scribes, they're the ones who knew the law. The Pharisees, they're the ones who taught the law. These should be the ones that knew that Jesus fulfills all of the prophecies of Isaiah and Jesus fulfills all that's told us in the book of, uh, of Jeremiah. Jesus fulfills the prophecies that we read about. All, all of it's found in Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees should have known Known that, but no, what they did is they went to Jesus and said, what, what fault can I find with him? And today the fault they found with him is this. Hey man, look, who's he, look who he's eating with. Look who sit, look he's sitting at the table with. Now you and I, we say, well, I would sit with that. You know, it's not a big deal. But as a religious teacher, it was unheard of. As a religious teacher, I mean, you had a reputation to uphold. What are you doing being seen with them? What are you doing? And that's their mindset. They had that mindset of him often. I think about Luke chapter number seven, verse 39, when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it. Uh, this is a Pharisee having Jesus to eat in his house. This Pharisee spoke within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. There was a woman that came in who was a great sinner, the Bible says, and she's washing Jesus' feet. And the Pharisee says, man, he thinks to himself, if Jesus knew who this was, he wouldn't let her do that. You know, Jesus helps us understand anybody can be his friend, but people are going to criticize. People are going to criticize you when you make Jesus your friend. It's just going to happen. And Jesus came knowing that. 
He came and he came and there's these critics now. They're, they're there and they're asking this question. Well, I love what Jesus does because they're critical of Jesus, but Jesus, he takes their criticism and he brings to you and I and to these listening, he brings to us the main answer as to why Jesus came. Our question is, why did Jesus come? Well, he came to bring comfort. Jesus, he came because uh, he desires to bring uh, comfort into your life. He came because he cares about where you are. When you look at this passage in Luke 2, 17, here's what Jesus came. Jesus came, and I said it just a second ago, he came because he cares about your life and my life. Notice verse 17. Here's the wording Jesus uses. It says this, when Jesus heard it, he heard that criticism, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. These religious, they're asking this big question. What is Jesus doing eating? And Jesus gives them the answer. Hey, listen, I am here to bring sinful people redemption. I'm here to bring sinful people redemption. I am here because I care about the lost condition of mankind. I'm here because I care about your life and about your eternity. You might say this morning, well, pastor, what is my life or what is my eternity? Here's what Jesus is helping us understand. He cares about where you are and everything in your life. And when you look at it and understand this, the reason we need Jesus' care, the reason we need his compassion is because we all fall in the category of sinner. When we look at him sitting with the publicans and sinners, he said to these religious, he said, hey, I came not to call the righteous. Don't think that Jesus is saying, some of you are good enough and some of you are not, enough, not good enough. No, here's what Jesus is saying. I came for everybody, but these people, they recognize that they need it. You see, the, the religious, their whole thought was, well, why do we need a savior? Why do we need a savior? Why do we need a Messiah? I mean, what have we done? Jesus often quoted them as saying, in what way have we transgressed against the law? In what way have we broken the law? They thought they were righteous. They thought they didn't need it. But here's the truth about that. In Psalm chapter 130 and verse number three, the psalmist said this, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? <laughs> What's that mean? Romans 5, 8 says this. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Here's what happened is Jesus, he's there and he's helping them understand this. Hey, the whole purpose I'm here is to bring you forgiveness. The whole reason I'm here is to bring you redemption. You say, what do I need redemption from? We need redemption and forgiveness because of our sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Every single person alive has broken God's law. We've sinned against God, and because of that, we deserve separation from God. The Bible says in James chapter 4, God says, I want you to become friends, but right now you're enemies. You're at enmity with God. You, you, you're not a friend of God because your sin is blocking you from being a friend of God. And Jesus is helping these and us understand, here's why I came. I came to call sinners 
to repentance. The word repent, it literally means to change direction. It means uh, I'm heading this way and I'm going to turn to Jesus. And the fact of the matter is that because of you and I sinning against God, when we're born into this world, we are born sinners. You don't have to teach a child to sin. It just is one thing that comes naturally because uh, death hath passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And the Bible helps us see that, that we're all headed this direction of sin. And people, religion says, well, well, if I, if I do enough, then I could earn my way to Jesus. Or if I'm good enough, I could go to Jesus. Or if I get baptized, I'll, 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 I'll be able to go to heaven. If I maybe confess enough, I'll go to heaven. Here's what Jesus is helping them understand. No, you can't get to heaven by your religion, by your righteousness, by your goodness. You need to repent. The word repent means, God, I realize I can't do enough so I'm turning and trusting completely in you. And here's the fact of the matter that every one of us, we need his forgiveness. We need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We need what Jesus has to offer. And the, the truth is today that if you're here and you don't know for certain that heaven is where you'd spend eternity, can I tell you this morning, not from Pastor Dennis, but from God, that the entire reason Jesus came is because he cares about your eternal destination. He cares about your soul. He does not want you to spend eternity in hell. He loves you enough that he came to die for you so that you could spend eternity in heaven. And if you're going to go to heaven, it's not that eternal, that, that salvation or that forgiveness is found in no other name except the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Many people think it's by their church or by their pastor or by their bishop or by their priest or by their religion. Jesus said, no, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. And my friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know that Jesus is your Savior, can I help you understand today that you could leave here knowing for sure that heaven is where you'd spend eternity if you turn to him. If you would repent and turn to Jesus, you say, well, pastor, what does that repentance look like? Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Pastor, what does that mean? It means this, to repent is me simply bowing my head, humbling my heart, and confessing to God that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus is the only one that can offer me forgiveness. It says this way in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wonder this morning, I wonder, where are you at on the truth of Jesus being the Messiah. You see, today we look and we see that Jesus came. He came, why did he come? He came, he said this in Luke 19, 10, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Man, when you look at this passage, Jesus, he gives some thoughts about why he came. Why did he come? He came to provide that comfort, provide that call or that purpose. He came, and he came for the purpose of, of helping you and of helping you choose to follow him. But most importantly, Jesus came because he cares about your soul. I want to ask you this question today, and I'm going to move 
The last question this morning, it's simply this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? You see, when you look at this story, it helps us see that Jesus came into the world. He came into the world with purpose. I wonder, has Jesus come into your life? Have you received him as your Savior? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin and put your faith and your trust in him? If you're here today and you have not received Jesus, today you could make that decision. And I'll talk with you about that in just a second. But if you're here and you have received Christ, can I ask you today, are you allowing his words to comfort you? Are you allowing his uh, spirit to call you and to give you that new purpose? Or today, are you allowing the critics to speak up in your life? Are you allowing maybe the criticism to kind of draw you away from being a Christian who truly follows after Jesus? Man, we can learn so much from here in Mark chapter number two. But I, again, I close with this question. Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your savior? I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed today. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I ask you today these questions. Number one, do you know for sure that Jesus is your Savior? If you're here and you'd be honest, Pastor Dennis, I know that Jesus is my Savior. I've trusted him as Savior. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, I know that. I've trusted him as Savior. Just right up and right back down. Now, if that's you today, maybe you need to make the decision that his word needs to comfort you. Or maybe today the decision that you need to make is that you're going to allow that call, his purpose, to be identified in your life. But maybe you're here today and you could not raise your hand that heaven is where you'd spend eternity. You couldn't raise your hand to that. I want to ask you the question. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor Dennis, I do not know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Pastor Dennis, I don't know that. Just right up and right back down. Thank you. You can put that down. Somebody else, Pastor Dennis, I don't know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. If that's you this morning, and you don't know for certain that heaven is where you'd spend eternity, in just a moment, we have what's called an invitation. We invite you to come, and someone, they'll take a Bible. They'll show you from God's word how you can know you're going to heaven. But can I tell you that you don't have to come forward to make that decision. You could make that decision right where you're seated. You say, Pastor, how do I make the decision to ask Jesus to be my Savior? Well, it's by simply praying, humbling your heart and praying. Maybe you could pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I know that you're the only way to heaven. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again from the dead. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and be my savior. You could pray something just like that. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's you putting, turning your heart to Jesus. And prayer is the way we do that. Now, if you're here and you say, Pastor Dennis, today, I just made that decision. Just now, I just prayed in my own heart and I repented. I turned to Jesus. I asked him to forgive me of my sin and to be my savior. No one's looking around, but if that's you and you made that decision today, would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, I made that decision today. Just right up and right back down. If that's you, we rejoice with you that you made that decision. And if you made that decision today, or if you're, maybe you didn't make it, but you want to, during the invitation, we invite you to come. 
and we can show you more about that. Let's pray, and we'll move into our invitation time. Dear God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you came with purpose, and that purpose is because of your care for us. I pray, God, that you'd help us. If there's any in here that don't know for sure that they're going to heaven, that they would come to know you as Savior. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help as those that are here that do know you as Savior. I pray that they would choose today, choose to follow you and to allow your words to comfort them. We love you, God, and we pray for our time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.